Hey everybody, I'm so glad that you made it out here and all of you who are watching online, again, so glad that you're with us uh, wherever and whenever you're watching this. And man, here's what I know so far. I know God's presence is here and, and my hope and my prayer is that you're allowing that to come in wherever you are with him, that you're bringing that in as presence to you. Uh, and so I wanna welcome you as well. Uh, we're gonna get going to week number five uh, of a series that we're calling Win in Rome. And what we're doing is we're just walking through this book of Romans uh, in the New Testament, this letter that that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And we're already almost halfway through it, everybody. We're already halfway through. And so uh, if you were here last week, what you'll know is that we kind of hit a hinge point uh, with, with this series last week in the letter with some things that Paul was trying to tell us. Because uh, what we've been doing so far is we've really been over the last four weeks just talking about theology, which is really covering these big ideas about God and humanity and, and Christianity versus religion and, and the explanation of where we fit in and all that stuff. And so uh, last week, we kind of hit a turning point uh, and started looking at actually what the Christian life just looks like as a result of the theology that we're learning. So what we learned last week is that with Christ, uh, that if we have Christ, a relationship with him, that we have some things that we get to celebrate, that we have peace with God, that we have access to God, that we have a greater hope, and that we even have answers in times of distress. And all of that, all of that that I just talked about is really based on one thing. It's based on God's grace, that the grace of God gives us these things. It's not dependent on anything that we do. It's a result of what Jesus already did for us. And so because we did nothing to earn them, listen, we can't do anything to unearn them. They're, for ours, they're ours to keep and enjoy as followers of Christ. And that's something that Paul was really excited to share about last week. Now, this is where we're gonna go today. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this word grace. All right, we're gonna talk about God's grace uh, and, and the, the grace that he gives us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those uh, and grab them and open them up to Romans chapter five. Again, hopefully you brought your Bibles with you. We've been kind of a underlining and, and circling some things in there. And so grab those, get to Romans chapter five. We're really gonna be in Romans six for the most part today, uh, but we gotta get to the end of Romans five just for one big idea before we uh, get taken off. And so uh, here's where we're gonna go today. Here's where we're gonna go today. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we gotta sort some things out with grace. We gotta really like sort some things out with this word. You'd think, like here's what you'd think, with what we've learned about grace so far, that we really wouldn't have a problem at all uh, with God's grace, uh, but it turns out that as simple and as amazing God's grace as God's grace is, we actually at times have a questionable relationship with grace. Did you know that? A very questionable relationship with it. So let's get started. I wanna start uh, by at least going with a working definition of what grace is, and then we'll kind of talk about some things and sort some things out. Here's what grace is. Grace Grace, this is what God gives us, right? It is an offer to freely give us what we actually don't deserve or that we've never earned and never will earn. That's the working definition of grace, okay? In Ephesians 2.8, it says that we are saved. Actually, grace saves us, all right? That we're saved by grace through faith. And so it's not from anything you do. Uh, it's a gift from God. That's how salvation comes. It's a gift from God, from his grace, through the faith that we put in Jesus Christ. And so the first big idea about grace is this. Um, to say that someone deserves grace is an oxymoron. Like it, it can't coexist, like you can't, uh, no one deserves the grace that God gives us, okay? So that's the first big idea. Uh, and it goes into the other thing to think about, which is this. Uh, the moment you think you deserve it, then it's no longer grace. 
because then it turns into something you actually earned and grace can't be earned, okay? It can't be recognized or received until we're aware of how undeserving we actually are. And so that's a big idea that we have with grace, all right? So it's the knowledge of what we don't deserve that allows us to receive grace for what it is. It's unmerited, it's unearned, it's undeserved. That sounds pretty good. But we really struggle with this, all right? Like we really, I don't know if you knew this in Christianity, we have a hard time with this. And here's the struggle that we're gonna walk right into this morning. And Paul's gonna wade into this as well. Uh, Here's the struggle. I think that we are, as Christians, we're okay with the idea that grace is what we need for salvation, but we really wrestle with how necessary it is after we're saved. That's the struggle that we have. Like, it's like, well, now it's on you. Now it's on you. You had grace before, now you don't need any more. Like, now it's on you to live this out. And so here's what we're up against with grace. This is why we're gonna talk about it today. What happens with us and grace is really this strange thing. Like, we get to this strange gravitational pull that actually takes us away from believing that grace is still as necessary today as it was a salvation. And it actually kind of pulls us to wanting to actually be measured by living according to the do's and don'ts which is by definition graceless religion. But we have this weird thing that happens with us. And so that's where we're going today. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Paul has, Paul has some things. These guys work cut out for him with some of us, all right? And I'm gonna tell you right now, this might be the most popular message and this might be the least popular message for some of you today, all right? We're talking about, I've already talked too much about grace for some of you. And this is why we gotta talk about it a little bit today. Uh, because what Paul is gonna try to do is he's gonna try to convince some of us of what grace really is and how it truly works in our lives, not just for salvation, but actually in working out the salvation that is given to you. And listen to me. This is why I'm so eager to talk about today. Uh, This is why I'm so eager for you not just to know what grace is, but to actually truly, truly experience what grace is, because I'll just say this. Like, living under grace, man, like living under grace, it's way better, I'm telling you right now, it's way better than me trying to train you to have good behavior. Like that is not what I signed up for, where you just kind of show up here and then I spend like 30 minutes just sitting here telling you to stop, right? Like, stop it. How dare, I can't believe you. Uh, God is so mad at you and uh, I can't believe it. And you just come back next week so I can say the same thing. Just quit, stop it, okay? Stop and uh, God bless you, see you next week. Like that is not what I wanna do, right? And here's the, this is is where we're gonna go today. The sad part is that actually there are a lot of people who actually like that. In fact, that's how some of you kind of experience church, right? Like, that's what it is, uh, which I never get. I never get, like, we kind of like feeling bad about ourselves, and gang, that is not the gospel. I can't, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I cannot find one place in the Bible that leads you to believe that once the gospel saves you, then you should spend the rest of your life feeling bad and guilty about yourself because you still can't be perfect. I've not seen that command anywhere in the gospel of grace, all right? So that's where we're gonna go, and here's my bottom line for us today before we get going, all right? Uh, here's, my, here's what I hope for us today. My hope is that you don't get grace. That's crazy, isn't it? Here's my hope, that grace gets you. That's my hope today, that grace, I want grace to get you. And here's why, I love this message today because I know this for a fact. I know this for a fact. I can lean all the way into this because here's what I know, that when grace, when God's grace actually captures you, just his grace, when it, when it opens your eyes, man, you will be forever changed just by that. You'll be forever changed and you have no other option but to live in a way that's a response to this wonderful, amazing, unbelievable grace that God gives. And when God's grace actually gets you, you'll spend your life in a return to sinner kind of way. That's how powerful and strong and amazing God's grace is, all right? So let's get to it. 
And I actually love this section where Paul is in because he's actually, here's what he's gonna do for the most part. He's actually gonna spend a lot of time asking like some rhetorical questions that come up with us that I think nail where we are with this idea of grace and what we're thinking. And so uh, here's what I wanna try to do for you today. Instead of like sitting in your seat, like try to get yourself like where you love having conversations, like whether it's on your deck, uh, out of your cabin, uh, in your kitchen, try to like put yourself there because that's what Paul is trying to do. Uh, He's trying to like really let this be a conversation instead of like a monotone, like mono deal. Uh, And he's just gonna work out some things as logically as he can with the questions that come up with us in this idea of grace, all right? So let's get going. It's kind of how I set us up with this idea of grace. Uh, And let's get to the end of chapter five. Hopefully you made your way there uh, in verse 20. Here's what he says. He says, all right. Now the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's where we're gonna start with this thought of grace. So this is what Paul is actually saying. He's saying, all right, this is what we talked about last week. He's like, the law uh, isn't what makes you good. It's actually what makes you aware of your inability to be good. That's like the whole purpose of the law, okay? But right here, he actually takes it another step further, and it's a really interesting step. He goes, not only that, uh, but it's actually, the law came in for, so that the trespass, so our sin, increases. So the law doesn't even make you better, even if you try to follow. I hope you see this is what he's saying. He's saying, actually, it came in so that it increases. And so instead of the law, like, dampening down our sin, the more that we know it, it actually increases the sin But he says that grace actually comes in all the more uh, and it actually covers our sin more and more and more, okay? And gang, here's what I'm gonna tell you right here. Right there is all you need to know about what grace does. That's it. That's all you need to really know. That that it's God's grace that bridges the gap between man's sin and his holiness and his perfection. That's it and that's all. It's grace that brought Jesus to the cross to save every single person who puts their faith in that and that none of us can ever get away from that. That's how amazing and good and big God's grace is. It's amazing and it's there for anyone. It's, it's what he's saying. It's there for anyone who wants to give up trying to live their life in a perfect kind of way uh, and, and seeing the efforts kind of just get frustration, all that stuff that gets out of the way with this idea of grace. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. What this does this idea of grace, instead of amaze us and change us, it actually starts a chain reaction of questions that we ask with this idea of grace. And so Paul's gonna spend a chapter and a half talking through these questions. I'm telling you, this is a great thing about God. I love this about God, because he knows you. Like, he knows us, he knows humanity. He's like, man, I know, you, I know you're skeptical. I know that you think there's more there. And so I just wanna spend some time not just telling you the truth, but I'm gonna actually get you to understand why grace is all we need to live the life I want you to have. And so Paul's gonna ask some questions here. It's almost like he's asking for a friend. I love it. You know, you ever get through that? Like, hey, I'm asking for a friend. It's like, are you really? Uh, but that's what he's doing. He's asking kind of for us. And so let's get into it. Chapter six, verse one, he's gonna ask the first question with this idea of grace. He goes, all right, so then what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now, if you're taking notes, go ahead and grab those out. And here's the first question. We're gonna go through some questions and answers. Here's the first question that we're asking. Does grace alone actually lead me to the change that God wants for me? Is, is grace, is all I need for change, uh, the grace that I need, the grace that, gives, that God gives me? So I'm gonna ask it this way. Let me ask it this way. Won't the message of grace just encourage you to keep on sinning so that grace keeps on happening? 
Right, that's the question. Like, so if that's what you just said, Paul, like, so don't, then, I, then that just made me want to increase my sin. And so Paul is real quick to answer this in the next verse, and here's what his answer is. By no means. He's just, I love that. He's like, I'm gonna be really black and white about this. I'm gonna tell you right now, no, it won't lead to more sin. And then he gives us the why, okay? So we're gonna take a look at this. And he comes strong in here in verse two to the answer to this question of, well, will we just keep sinning? He goes, no, we, we are those who have died if you're underlining or circling, I would underline die or circle died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so here's the first answer uh, to, the, to the question. And this is the strength of grace. See, the strength of grace actually says that sin is dead, so now I can't live in it. Sin is dead, so I can't live in it. Now, would you agree, would you agree, I hope you do, that the word dead Pretty strong word when it comes to relationships, right? Like, can't really go further than debt, right? Like, so, and so he's really coming on hot here to explain to you the relationship that we have with sin. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, man, listen. Man, like, the gospel of grace doesn't lead people to sin. It kills sin. Like, that's what it does. It kills it. It means it's terminated. And so when we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, sin's reign is over. And so you gotta catch this. This is what he's getting at. This is what I want. This is how we experience grace and not just know what it is. See, this means that we're not, this is what it means. We're not just progressively moving away from sin. That's not what it means. And it doesn't mean uh, that sin is just kind of like, you know, just weakening in us. It doesn't, doesn't mean that, or it doesn't mean uh, that, that we ought not to sin now. And those are really good ideas, right? Those are really good thoughts to have, but those ideas aren't even close to the word dead. That's what he's getting at. He's, like, he's not even close to death. That this is his point. So Paul is saying that the power that sin once had on you is now ended. Its reign is over in you. Now, Sin still has power, but now because it's dead to you, it's dead to you because you're in Christ, it can no longer, listen, this is the beauty of, it can no longer force its dominion on you anymore. It did before and you didn't even know it, but now it can no longer force its dominion on you to give into it because there's a new power ruling in you. So sin can be dead to you because that's what grace does. That's the strength of grace. It kills sin. That's how strong it is. Uh, and so next he keeps going to kind of keep talking about this. He goes, now, in verse three, he goes, now, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. All right, so here's, here's what he's saying. So just to drive this home, what he started, he goes, hey, don't you realize what baptism is? That's what, he's like, and, and I actually, if you read this again, like he doesn't even really talk about water uh, because he's like, this, and it's, it's important to do this, but he's like, I wanna, this is about the relationship that you actually have with Jesus and, and the visual that we have in the reality with Jesus and grace. The Greek word, uh, the Greek word for, for baptize is actually means immersion. That's what it means. It means all the way in. It means uh, to be immersed. It actually means to be drowned. And so what's it pointing to? It's pointing to death. Like he's saying, man, so, so death to what? Death to sin. He's like, that's kind of the reality that you have. But it gets better because you don't just stay there. 
thankfully, right? Because you literally would die, okay? But he says, when you come back up from the water, Paul says, that's just as if Jesus, when Jesus was raised from the dead, you now come into a new life, a new life with Christ. That's the visual that he wants you to say. That's the miracle of grace. So we saw the strength of grace. Here's the miracle of grace. If you're taking notes, the miracle of grace says, man, now I'm united with Christ. So I'm dead to sin, I can't live in it anymore. And now the miracle of grace says, now I'm united with Christ. So sin sin hasn't just been defeated, death is defeated too. And and so this is what's really hard to, this is what's really hard to explain. Uh, But when the gospel of Jesus comes to you, like uh, when you get overtaken by it, when when grace gets you, uh, it's a miracle. Like it's really hard for me to explain it. Like there is a miracle that actually takes place uh, when salvation hits you and it actually changes you. It's not, so it's not just a belief system, it's a transformative experience. Like you're not just getting into a belief system, it's a transformative experience, man. It's not just tapping into something new, you become entirely new. Like that's the thing, it's really hard to explain, but when you're in it, you know it and you've experienced it. You're like, yes, that's exactly what it is. And that's why, here, that's why you hear the term born again. Have you ever heard that? Jesus actually talked about being born again, but that's where we're getting this from, that you're actually born again, it's what happens. And Paul is saying, listen, when this happens, we're not even gonna ask that first question. It's ridiculous to ask that question that, that we ask. It's lunacy to ask it. So that's the whole point, the answers that we have. So he's like, you wouldn't even ask it. So that's question one. All right, now we're gonna get to the next question. We're gonna drop down here a little bit. Well, don't worry, we'll hit that middle section. We're gonna drop down to the next question in, in verse 15. He goes, all right, so here's his next question. What, so what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? All right, so, so here's question number two okay, does grace then give me the green light to sin? All right, and that's probably a follow-up that some of us have, right? I've actually heard that from a lot of people with this, with this idea of grace. Hey, does grace change you? Yeah, it does. Okay, well, so wait, now, does that mean the law's like obsolete? So now there's like no more law. It's like kind of whatever you wanna do, fly by the seat of your pants, law's no longer binding. So we just kind of do what we want, no, no rules anymore, just grace covers it? Paul says, by no means. I love it. He's just so black and white. No, no, no. That's not what we're getting at. So let's get to the explanation of this. This is in verse 16. He goes, no. So don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, that you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? And so here's what he's saying. Like, this is, it's really hard for me to get some of us there. And even for me, like, I don't want to I don't wanna feel like I uh, am like a slave to anything, right? Like I don't wanna feel it, but that word is all over the Bible. But here's what he's saying, man. Like you need to understand this about you. And, and I'm telling you, it might take you a little bit of time to get there. You're not living your life in neutral. You're, you're not. Like you are uh, obeying something. Like you are living and serving something. So don't believe that you're not, okay? Now, and, and here's why, here's why all of us, you're either going to obey sin or you're going to obey be obedience to God. You ready? Here's why. Here's why you will do this. Because you have needs in your life that need to be met. And you can't meet those needs on your own. You need an outside source to actually meet some of the needs in your life. And so what Paul is saying, now for those of you in Christ, like you actually have a choice. You actually have a choice. Who are you going to turn to with the needs that you need to be met? Are you gonna turn to the one that gives you instant gratification but death? Or are you gonna go to the one that offers you life and fulfillment? You can't do both and you can't do neither. And so what he's saying, so are you gonna serve sin 
That's ridiculous. Like, that's what he's saying. That's his answer. That is crazy. And so he says, here's the majesty of grace. So we looked at the strength and power of grace. We looked at the miracle of grace. And here's the majesty of grace. It's that you have a new Lord. That you, because you're in Christ, have a new Lord. This is so important to understand. I hope you're writing these down, man. This is so important to understand. Because here's the thing. It's possible, it's possible to be free, but still think that you're enslaved. It's actually possible to be free in Christ, but still feel enslaved to obeying other things. Like, so here's, let me get you there. There are Christians who live this out all the time. Uh, there are Christians who struggle to accept that they are free from the power of sin. And so you live in constant shame of your life and you hide away from God and you live with no empowerment that comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, on the other end, there are also Christians uh, on the other side and you struggle to accept that you are free from the law, that you are actually free from the law. And so they live in constant fear and guilt because you're never gonna get up to snuff. You're never going, you're enslaved to the law. And, and God says the gospel of grace that doesn't do either one of these when it comes to serving Jesus and the freedom that comes with his lordship that he brings to you. That's what he's saying. So we have a new Lord. It's a, there's a new sheriff in town in your life, man. And so you're not a slave to any of that. It's an option that you have, okay? Now drop down to verse 21 because he keeps going. He keeps going. And, and again, this is gonna like help some of you a little bit, hopefully. He says, so what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you're now ashamed of? right? Those, thi those things result in death. But look at this. But now that you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life, okay? Uh, and so um, one, one of the reasons, I don't know how to say this. One of the reasons why I think people hold back from going all in from God is because you're sort of afraid to let go of the things that you know you probably need to let go of to have a relationship with him. Is that, like you're kind of like, oh no, that's probably not something that I should be doing. I don't know, like to go all in, I'm probably gonna have to give uh, this stuff up, okay? And, and here's the thing, like this stuff, this stuff, and I, like I realize that I'm talking to a church full of church people, right? I know that. So we're like, why, why would you hold on to sin? Like, oh, it's bad, right? Like I know that. Uh, but like, here's the thing. You ever thought about why people actually sin? I know I'm talking to church people because it's fun, all right? Like, I know, like, it's, it's kind of exciting sometimes, uh, and, and there's no other reason. It, it feels good. It feels good. Like, there's no other reason to do it. Initially, initially. But I love what Paul says here because he's like, okay, like, I kind of see what you're saying. Like, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I hear you, but just look at what you're, you're holding on to. Like, is what you're holding on to, what, what have you actually gained from it? Like, really think about this long term. Like, think about what is this doing? For, is this answering the questions and the needs that you have for your life? Like, how's that working out? How's that working out? Is it giving you answers or just a delay in what you know isn't being dealt with? Because here's the secret, here's the secret that sin doesn't want us to know, that that momentary feeling, right? That little high you get, come on, it goes away pretty quick, doesn't it? And then all you're left with is the consequence of that, which doesn't bring life. It actually brings the opposite of that. It brings death. It takes you away from things and it leaves you with the knees that you started with. That's, that's, what the, that's the trick that sin puts on us all the time. It's like, oh, that's gonna feel real good. And then, and then you always come out of it with the, with the knees never being met and the questions you still have. So what's the alternative? Paul tells us in verse 22, the alternative 
It's holiness, that you can actually have holiness. Now, I gotta work with you on this little bit of holiness because like holiness is like, uh, is that, I don't know, man. Holiness seems a little geeky. Like, it's like, you have, like holiness is like that. You start thinking of like Ned Flanders, like, hey neighbor, and like the tucked in, the slacks, and he's like, and also with you. And, and like, that's what we think of, right? That's what we think of. Is it just me? Uh, when you think, you're like, I don't know if that's the kind of guy. I don't know if I wanna tuck my shirt in. Do I have to tuck my shirt in uh, to be like that? But that's not what holiness means. Here's what holiness means. It's awesome. Holiness means set apart to accomplish God's plans and purposes for your life. That's better than Ned Flanders. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what holiness is. Holiness is the idea that we can actually be in a place with God where we lived blessed and chosen lives. That's awesome. Like, that's where I want to be. You can live a holier life. You can. You can actually be in holiness because you're in Christ. You are made new. The normal life for you now can change. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. Some, some of you need to hear this. If you just keep on sinning, if you just keep on living that life, we won't feel chosen. Come on. We won't feel blessed. We won't feel these things. It just doesn't work that way. That's what Paul is saying. So here's Paul's argument for grace. These are the questions that we ask. These are the answers that he gives us, right? Can, can grace really lead to change? It'll take you all the way. That's what he's saying. It'll take you all the way. Does it give you the green light to do whatever you want? Nah, it's impossible to have that position once grace gets you. It's too amazing. It's too miraculous. It's too strong and majestic. And here's what I love in verse 14. He almost gives us a summation of our position in verse 14. He says, okay, so for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. That's his like summation statement for this whole thing. So, so now with that, we have one more question. Here's the one more question that we have with this grace that God gives us. What do we do with it? What do we do with it? How do we respond? And gang, there's only one way that we respond to the God of grace who gives us this grace. It's not to know what God says, but it's actually to live gratefully because of it. So we're gonna just spend the rest of our time looking at three ways that we can live in gratitude of God's grace. And I think these are gonna help you work out a couple things you might still be wondering about uh, and why this might not be the most popular message for you yet, but I'm, I'm gonna get you there, okay? Here's the first thing that we do is that we actually rest in God's grace. That's the first thing that you do to respond to God's grace as you rest in it, okay? In verse 11, if you wanna look at that later on, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin, all right? Uh, and in some translation, it actually is the word reckon, right? I love that word reckon because what reckon means is it actually means count on it. That's what it means, count on it, compute it, calculate it. And so here's what it's saying. Just agree with God. Quit fighting him on this grace thing. That's what he's saying. Rest in it. Quit fighting grace. Like just count on it. Agree with God and say, man, I believe that I died to sin and I believe that I died to the law. And what matters is Christ in me. And we rest in that. We reckon it. We, we count on it. Some of you here, I just know this, man. Some of you here, you're struggling with shame and guilt over something. And God's like, why? Like just come to me. My grace is sufficient for you. Like it it's covers you. If you just come to me and you confess to me and you bring it to me, uh, you did nothing to earn my grace and there's nothing you're gonna do. And like your future version of you, I know you think that's awesome, but it's still not gonna get you close to the grace that I give you. And so uh, grace means that God already loves you as much as he did uh, the day you were born all the way to the future self that he has. Like there's nothing that's gonna change that. And so don't miss this. So the grace of God returns you not to yourself, but to the cross of Christ. Okay, and so you could go to the cross of Christ and you could come to him and you can get on your knees and you can just bring him what you got and, and you can just rest in the idea that he will forgive you, that he will restore you. His, his love for you is so restorative. And so we don't have to stay in this shame and guilt process anymore. 
And so we can live out that life that our Heavenly Father wants us to, to live. And we can show the world uh, as we rest in God's grace that he matters to me. That's how I can live my life, that he matters to me. And it's not lived out with guilt and shame, but it's living a life of gratitude and rest in grace, okay? So that's the first thing we gotta do. We gotta rest in God's grace. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. And I gotta resist temptation. That's how I live in gratitude to this grace. I resist temptation. Let's look at verse 12. It says this in verse 12. He says, all right, so therefore, now you have this idea of grace. Okay, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, all right? Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And so that's what he's saying here, all right? So, so we rest in God's grace to overcome sin's grip. And so listen, don't let sin go unchallenged in your life then, right? That's what he's saying. Don't just let it go unchallenged. Allow great allow grace to do what it's supposed to do. That's what grace is supposed to do, which is it allows you to live for God and let the Holy Spirit work in you uh, to prove the new life that you have in Jesus. And so as a result, listen to me, you leave sin. Amen? You leave it. Like you leave it. You know the, the, the death that it leads to and so you leave it and, and allow God's grace to point us to the way, the truth, and the life of following Christ as being a Christ follower. I actually love how Paul puts it in his letter to Titus. Here's what he says in Titus 2. I think this is better uh, to think about grace. So here's what he says. He says, all right, so for the grace of God has appeared doing two things, right? One, bringing salvation for all people. So again, it's grace that saves us, but also training us, training us to do what? to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This is the difference with people who are living under grace and not by the law and not under sin. That's the difference. Uh, people who don't live under grace, they live in a way where they just tolerate sin instead of being repulsed by it. That's, that's somebody who doesn't live under grace, okay? Grace, here's why. Because gra grace is like a sin deterrent. Like it's not a sin, it's like sin spray. You know what I mean? Like the more you spray on there, the less sin has an opportunity to bite you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like, it's like the off of, of sin. Like you, you just spray it on there, man. Like it's like, it's not a magnet, it's a deterrent. Uh, okay, will we be perfect? No. Will we do things that we wish we didn't do? No. Yes. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. But grace tells us that it's taken care of on the cross, that we have the perfect advocate in Jesus Christ. And, and here's, so here's what I'm gonna say. One of the biggest evidences of salvation is that you live like you're dead to sin. You hear me? You live like you're dead to sin because it is dead to you. And you need to hear me on this. You need to hear me on this. We get this mixed up all the time. I don't know how else to, I don't know what to say differently. Our goal for you in this place is not behavior modification. It's transformation. Do you understand the difference? Like there's a huge difference in that. We're not after a certain performance. We're after the gospel's ability to really change you. And that's different, man. That's what I wanna go after. I went, so I just want us to think about that. I think we get real mixed up on this. And instead of going after the inside out change that the gospel of grace brings, we go after this weird like facade of like this outside thing where we white knuckle ourselves to look the part and grace never changes us. And I'm telling you, if you live like that way, I'm telling you right now, that is the biggest opportunity for sin to get its grip on you. That's not what we're after, man. We're after true transformation, the inside out kind of change that, the, that grace can do. And grace, man, that's what grace can do. So don't, don't try to white knuckle your way out. I mean, I'm telling you, that's not living under grace. So here's a third thing that I do, is that I make myself an offering. I make myself an offering. Here's what verse 13 says. It says, and offer every, isn't it great? He just gives, no, by the way, by the way, I didn't know if you knew, I don't have time for this, but uh, 
all the way up till now, there's been no commands that Paul has given you. In, in, in almost five chapters of Romans, he's like, I'm gonna give you all this stuff. These are the first commands that he actually gives believers in Christ. I just found that pretty interesting. And so then he says from like verse 11 till like 14 or 15, he says, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So here's what, he, here's what we do. We, we offer ourselves to God. We offer ourselves to God every single day. Every day we're a living sacrifice to him. And, and for all of us, man, uh, it's daily sacrifice of self. This isn't a one-off. This isn't a one-off thing that happened 15 years ago on the day that we were saved, man. It's every day. And I'm telling you, it's the biggest challenge that we live with in our life of faith. It's the biggest challenge that we face. And, it's the, and, and here's the thing. Not only is that the biggest challenge we face, that's the biggest difference we can make in this world is living every day like, like a, a sacrifice to him. So here's the question, what do we sacrifice? Everything. Everything, everything, right? Like, we sacrifice our minds, our bodies, our souls. We sacrifice our wills. We sacrifice our doubts and our worries and our, and our fears. It's, we give it all over to God. We give all of that every day. Why? Because that's what a life changed by grace just does, man. That's what it does every single day. And it's all, listen to me, out of gratitude. It's all out of gratitude. Now, listen, we're gonna talk more about that third one tonight uh, at our night of worship at 6.30 here tonight. I hope you make it because we're actually gonna do a few things uh, that I think are gonna help us understand what it looks like to be uh, offering ourselves up as a sacrifice to him. And I don't think, I think you're not gonna wanna miss that. So I hope you make it out tonight at 6.30. Uh, and I think it's gonna be a meaningful time. Let me end with this. Uh, I think we all, again, there's a few things that we all want. I've said this a lot. I think the first thing we all really want in our life is peace, right? <laughs> like I think everybody's always looking for peace, but I also just think this, like just generally, I think we all want answers. Everybody, everybody wants answers. And here's what I'm gonna say to end. Maybe there's an answer. That, just think about this, wherever you land with this, maybe there's an answer to a life lived under grace. Just that, just a life lived under grace. Paul seemed to think that there was something there. In all 13 letters that he wrote, he said the same two things in every single letter. He said this, grace to you and grace be with you. Every single time, every letter that he wrote to every church, Paul is telling us, I think there's a key to this life with God and it begins with grace and don't you forget it ends with grace. It ends with the same thing. And so if that's so, how many answers lie in a life with grace? How many answers? How, how much pain, struggle, and heartache can be relieved? And how much joy, hope, rest, and peace can come from it? One of the things that I want us to be a place of, I always want us to be a place where we investigate for ourselves. I don't want us to just come and sit and listen and just say, hey, that's whatever Andy said, whatever Chad Blair said, hey, man, I'm just gonna accept it. I want you to investigate for yourself. I want you to come into this and really see, because I think that's where an authentic relationship with God goes, like is that you investigate yourselves and where it's uncovered. And so my hope is that as we slow down and we talk about and look at grace is that, that you could just investigate it for yourselves, not just sit and listen, but, but investigate it for yourself as we find out how important and amazing this grace is. And I wanna challenge you all with this. Grace is as simple as you let it be, or it's as deep as, and complex as you allow it to be. And I want you to let it be as deep as an ocean. Cause that's, the, that's how deep it is. It's amazing, it's wonderful. I want you to just understand like that's where the unbelievable transcending message of God's mercy and grace and hope and forgiveness and peace and justice, all of them lie. And, and just trust the fact that that grace is enough to go after a life of holiness in and of itself. That is what we need. That will change people for righteousness sake. And, and when I read Paul's letters, like I just almost like hear him saying, oh man, it's, I just feel him saying when I read the letters like, hey man, grace to you, Andy, and grace be with you.
I want you to sit and rest in those two pillars and understand what that means and be someone who doesn't just know it, but who experiences it. And for me, I just wanna tell you this, as someone who does stand in those two pillars and, and experiences God's amazing transformative grace, I just want you to be there with me. I want you to be there with me. Let's pray. God, I, this message of grace is just deep. It's, it's, I wanna make it as deep as possible because I just think that all the answers to our lives lie in there. It's, it's what sent Jesus. It was, it's what makes this relationship with you so amazing and so great. That's why we call it amazing grace. I pray we can rest in that. I pray we could sit in that. Lord, I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that some of us can really wrestle with this on where we're on both ends of the spectrum where we're not really sure we're allowing the grace to change us the way that you wanna see it. And we're still kind of sitting on this, like uh, living under the law thing and not letting grace actually free us. I pray we wrestle really bad with that. I pray that we wrestle with it in our groups. We wrestle with it in our conversation. We wrestle with it tonight in our night of worship as we come and think about what, what it looks like to make our, our lives an offering to you, God. I pray and I'm so thankful uh, for this amazing message of, of grace that you give us. We love you uh, and we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, man, I'm so glad that you guys came out. That concludes our service today. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you tonight at our night of worship, 630. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Have a great Sunday.